Hi there and welcome to the Emu Inc podcast episode two. We are delighted to be here with what is hopefully a place of interest to educators, parents and sports clubs alike. At Emu Inc we turn pupils into published authors. We help schools and clubs to record their history and we create publications that bring people together. On this podcast we explore the links between schools and sporting communities and the topics that matter and are relevant to both. I'm joined today for a discussion I'm really looking forward to with former professional footballer Pat Flynn who was scouted as a young teen and consequently moved to England with the dream of becoming a first-team regular. Pat first went to Wolverhampton at the age of 16. After four years, he moved to Torquay United and Kidderminster Harriers before eventually moving home to play League of Ireland football with Waterford United, Shamrock Rovers, St. Patrick's Athletic, Shelburne and Longford Town. Following his retirement, he returned to his beloved Rovers as a coach. Today, Pat has carved out a successful career as a business developer for Coca-Cola, but it wasn't an easy path considering he left school with no qualifications past junior cert and no follow-up education to speak of. Fintan McCutcheon, former principal of Balbriggan Educate Together National School and currently associate lecturer and published academic in the field of multicultural education, also an Irish football mega fan, is also in the studio with us today to hear Pat share his experiences around how he felt leaving his home, friends, school and what support he got from the education system as he left and on his return. So Pat and Fintan, great to be here today. Pat, I'll come to you first and ask, what is your earliest memory of playing football? Where did it all begin? Uh, thanks for having me in, first of all. Um, probably my earliest memories is, um, I remember the 1990 World Cup vaguely and um, being out banging pots and pans. And from then just being out playing street football, where we're from in Lachlanstown, it was um, a working class area and we were always out playing football kind of from morning till night, especially in the summer. Um, with a big group of friends as well. So playing in the field across the road. Um, we built a leisure centre as well that we used to break into and get into the new <laughs> Astro pitch. So we used to play over there the whole time after it shut down. So they were my earliest memories of football and it was, I just became addicted then. What do you remember feeling like when you played football? Um, I don't, there was just a freedom in it and I don't know, from an early age, I think my mobility, I could move well. So I was always good. I was an athlete nearly straight yeah. away. So I was blessed. Um, and then I think playing street football gives you something because I could have been a 10-year-old playing against 15-year-old boys and 8-year-old boys are playing against all different types. Um, so it brings on strength that you don't know you have. You end up probably having fights, which can be good and bad, but it can toughen you up. Yeah. And then you end up making friends. And that's that's one of the biggest things I've taken out of football. And who was it that first kind of said to you, you're really good? Like, you know, did you feel that yourself? Could you see? Um, I'm not sure. I always was just worried about how quick I was. That's all I was worried about. I went and played football locally for Lachlanstown Boys, just a local team. And nobody, my parents never pressured me into football or would have never said I was outstanding. They just supported me, which is great. And and then we played St. Joseph's Boys. Um, they're a big club down the south side. And we played, I played, must have played well because they came looking for me and played a season there just kind of pressure free and um, after that I started getting called up for Dublin teams etc and I kind of realised I was good then so I worked hard at it though because I wasn't outstandingly talented so I had to work hard for what I what I did. Fintan I'm going to come to you now in a second as well for the kind of education view on it but what was it like at school Pat? Were you encouraged at school? How was it like with your friends on the teams at school? I, I was on so when I went to first year I was on the sixth year team and technically I shouldn't be wow. in um, so that's, I was physically big at that age, um, so I was well able for it. Um, but my friends, they always encouraged me um, to be a footballer and the school was great. I was in St. Lawrence's College there in Lachlanstown as well and 
Huey Colhoun was the teacher, um, the PE teacher, and he was involved at the Leinster schools as well. So he was great for me. Um, I love school football because at my football club, I was one of several good players at the school. I was the main player, which was good for your confidence. And I like that lads relied on me sometimes as well. Um, but the lads who I grew up were really good they'd be starting to when they got to 15 and 16 some of them would start drinking they'd be saying to me you don't drink they'd be kind of looking after me yeah. so football was actually a great out for me and even for kids now I think if they're playing football on a Saturday or Sunday and their friends are starting to do stuff they probably shouldn't be doing saying I have a match tomorrow yeah. can get you out of that straight away you can just say I'm going home I have a match tomorrow yeah. and it actually helped me to get out of a lot of a lot of things the boys were doing but um, it was great around the area and the school was great for me as well I, I left school then uh, in third year, or year so obviously I had the choice then to go over to England I had probably 10 clubs chasing me at the time so at Arsenal Man City now Man City were in the second division then that's how old you were um, Man United Celtic Leeds Aston Villa and the end I chose Wolves just because it was the most homely club I felt and probably the club where I felt I had a best chance to make it. So I turned down probably bigger money offers to go with a club that really looked after me and made me feel really welcome and still a choice I don't regret at all. And so what um, like what was the process then? How did, so you're saying these clubs were, came looking for you. What, how does that work or how did it work at the time? So you're just, you're just playing football for your club, whether it was St. Joseph's or I got picked for the Ireland team. So I would have been captain from under 14s up to under 19s. But under 14s, 15s, you would have had a lot of scouts coming over from England. Brian Kidd, for example, he won the European Cup at Man United. He was Leeds scout at the time and he asked me to come and sign for Leeds. So, and then you go over on your midterms and you do trials. So it's probably two or three days of playing against uh, the English boys that are already in the academy and they're looking, can you fit into their place? When I was going over, it was probably a lot easier because it was mainly English, Irish, Scottish, Welsh. Now teams have so much money and a big scope. You can go as far as Africa, Asia, America to get their players now. But, okay. So it gave me a good chance, but now it's a bit tougher for the Irish boys going over. And so when that started to happen, so you went over, you made your choice uh, with Wolves. What happened back home? So you're at school. You're... Yes, so I remember being in a fourth year, just started fourth year. And the career guidance teacher come up and he was saying, what would you like to do in careers? And people were saying mechanics and doctors, whatever it was. And I said, a footballer. And he kind of laughed and said, be realistic. And I said, I've signed a contract to go over yeah. 16. And he goes, did you really? And I says, yeah. So um, that's kind Brilliant. of that's kind of what it was like from school. Um, but they, they encouraged me then. The school were really helpful. But it just, it meant giving up an education and it would have been in the top classes in secondary school yeah. and there is an education system that the FA provide over there. At the time it wasn't outstanding and it wasn't really pushed so eventually when I did come home I came home with nothing like so it was it was really tough and that's why I'll be quite big on education now. Okay so we'll definitely come back to that Fintan yeah. um, from as a former principal um, what did you see going on in the schools? Have you have you experienced this where kids are, you know, scouted and they're given huge opportunities? What, how is it dealt with in the schools? How do you feel about it? Well, the schools wouldn't have any direct contact with that. It usually would be through the clubs and then in the Balbriggan area where I taught, uh, you know, locally talented children would have moved on then to, into, this, into the city to play with the home farms and the Belvedere's, etc. And that one thing, Pat, that you said there that I thought was very interesting and this would be something that teachers and principals would come up against every now and again, would be, you were saying that, you know, um, 
when you start to play football, uh, your parents put you under no pressure. Um, that you uh, you know you simply enjoyed it. You played with the local club. Uh, your parents probably came along to watch the matches, but there was no. You could make a career of this from them, and 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 that. Um, I suppose we would uh, uh, we would see uh, sometimes uh, uh, things being a little bit different to that, and we we would see uh, a considerable amount of parental pressure being put on uh, talented children like like yourself, and sometimes children who are on the cusp of being talented, not necessarily particularly talented. We would see a lot of parental pressure by some parents on children making this. And I, I know now you're involved with uh, underage, uh, with Chamber Grovers as well. Um, how do you think um, like schools or indeed even clubs should handle the parent who, who very much wants to put a bit of pressure on their child to make progress towards a professional career? Um, it's, it's very hard because I see the problem um, in coaching myself. Um, most parents, in fairness, are really good, but like the realism of it, uh, less than 1% of people make it, if that's what you want to call it, going over to England. So like apparently you have a better chance of winning the lotto, but people still put their whole dreams on this football. Now, I think kids should have a dream to be footballers, with it being flexible to change and being guided by their parents. But as long as it's not the parents' dream, it's the big thing because parents can become pushy and it can make it nearly a job for kids instead of enjoyable. And that's what football is first and foremost for me. Um, it has to be enjoyable first. And even at Shamrock Rovers now, we're about better people first than footballers. So the parents probably need to be educated by the clubs and schools of maybe the statistics of like how, how hard it is to be a footballer. I would class myself as I didn't make it. I went to Wolves and failed and I don't mind using that word because I think you learn from failing. Um, but I was flexible then. I played with better players in England, 10 times better than me. And because they failed once, they just stopped. Um, I was flexible and a good support with me with my family. So I knew I didn't make it in England. I said, right, I'll try lower down the leagues. It didn't happen for me either. And I came back to Ireland my first year at Waterford and we were probably the worst club in the country then at the time as well. I struggled there as well because it was men's football. But then I kept going at it and was persistent with the help of my family. And I just chipped away at it and got better and better. And my talent came out. And a lot of that was due to no pressure. Just go and play and be yourself. And that's probably my own worst enemy. I put pressure on myself. And I think a lot of maybe goalkeepers and defenders are because if we make a mistake, it's usually a goal. But if a centre forward makes a mistake, there's still a line of midfield behind him, a line of defence and a goalkeeper. So it can be tougher in those positions. But um, has to, I think it has to be fun for the kids. You have to be going up smiling and coming home smiling. And I think in anything, if you're happy, you'll learn more, whether it's school or whether it's football. I think. So would you find yourself kind of um, trying to diffuse um, parents who are putting that pressure on, on their children in your current role even uh, with Rovers? Yeah, you'd have to and myself, there's the manager Graham Gartland, he was away and I went away to England as well so we both learned what it's like to go over, what it's like to fail and um, what it's like to come back and do well in the league so we've been through it all so we bring parents in for meetings at the start of every year and we try to have two or three during the year just to show them what it's like and all the parents are really good in fairness in the club Bora. I think they understand how hard it is, but I'd, I'd still encourage them to get behind their kid's dream. Every kid, whether they're 
from about five years old wants to be a footballer probably and I think you, you have to get behind their dream but just be flexible in it because they change the whole time. So just to go back there, um, Pat, on your own parents, you mentioned a couple of times that you had great support from them. Um, so going back to the time where you left Ireland then, what was that support like from your family? So no matter what, like your parents had to have been worried about your education and how did they take it? Did they leave the, the decision to you and just back you? Did they go with you? How did, how did all that? Um... It, it was a bit of the unknown, to be honest. I remember going uh, from Dublin Airport the first time and it was like the Snapper family nearly. There was about 20 of them all come out to see me goodbye and there's a bed sheet hanging out good luck in England. So it was Brilliant. funny going away like that. But um, when I went, they were really good. And I had family in Birmingham as well. So my auntie was always there. My uncle was there if I ever oh, needed. Now, I didn't have to call upon them much, thankfully. Um, but my parents and my sisters, brothers, everything were so good to me um, when I was in England and there was never pressure. It was just always ringing, are you happy? My mom would ring me every Saturday singing ballads down the phone. She said she wasn't <laughs> drunk. I think she was. But even that, you become more Irish when you go away. Were you homesick? Very uh, homesick, yeah. yeah. And like the first year or two, uh, the first year especially was really hard. You're 15, 16 going over. You're working, or if that's what you want to call it, from nine till probably 12 o'clock in the day. You have your lunch. So from one o'clock till probably 10 at night, you've nothing to do. And as a young kid, you've like I had, you had a good chunk of money, do you know that way? So yeah. this is why I think people fall into gambling and drinking because at the time there wasn't much to do after training. I think clubs are a lot better at it now. They can fill the time. They're bringing lads to cinemas. They're putting them in courses in the evening. Some kids, when they go over, want to start their coaching badges as well. So they're doing that. But um, my family were great and they'd fly over to me probably once every second month, which was great. Uh, there was no Skype at the time, so it was yeah, imagine. Yeah, it was all international phone cards ringing home. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I learned to love England, and there was about eight Irish boys over there, Wolves as well, which made it really easy. So it was really good. That's great. And you're saying that you had a lot of free time. So coming back to the education piece, then what what was it like? Like, what did they promise? What did they deliver on in terms of education? Um, and how is it different now? Um, so they promised. Basically, you get an education and I could pick any subject I wanted. So most, the one everyone went to was the sports management. So there was, I think, 20 or 30 of us academy players doing it with a really good looking teacher. So 30, <laughs> men, 30 boys in with, in with a teacher. Like... <laughs> Nothing was getting done at all. So And I felt sorry for the teacher. So in the end, I ended up leaving the course myself. And I was really interested in Irish history and Irish. So I went and did Irish in Wolverhampton College myself with six lads who moved over to England in the 50s, I think, or 60s. So I just started to educate myself in that and just to get a grasp on the language. And um, because I loved Ireland and I ended up getting, I had to go back. So I did junior cert in Irish and anyway, but to do it in England, I had to do a GCSE first. Okay. I planned to go on and do an A-level, but by the time I did it, I was released from all. So I okay. I didn't even know, actually, that day. Did you know that, Fintan? That we'd be teaching Irish, like, in schools no, over in no. the UK? Um, um, I was teaching in um, East London, uh, right in the shadow of um, Upton Park at the time. And uh, I know that their model was something similar to the one that Niall Quinn would have talked about in his autobiography, where they had, if you like, she he had Claire Short, um, who went on to be a Labour MP, yeah. and she was doing things with, with his group. Are along the lines of you know citizenship and 
and you know uh, looking after um looking after the homeless and and uh, um being community involved in the in hybrids that was, that was the model west ham at the time were using for for their apprentice boys uh, and that and uh, so we would have had in our schools we would have had them coming in to, to like to take pe lessons and yeah. to train teams and that but but i i would have felt it wasn't it wasn't an education that that was preparing them for a life outside of football. It was kind of an education that was preparing them for a life on the edges of football. Yeah. And we, we did the same. We did the coaching and it's great mixing in with the community and I think clubs in Ireland are starting to do it now. But I didn't know about mortgages when I was in England. I didn't know about tax. I didn't know about anything like this, pensions. So it wasn't until I came home to Ireland that I could nearly go and educate myself and I'd be quite driven. And it's just looking up information. But this is what I think they should be giving young lads because a lot of them now have big money and they don't know what they're getting involved in and they probably have agents looking after their money now at the time agents weren't really about so it was probably a good thing um, but it, they just didn't teach as you say the life skills proper life skills you need to go forward I didn't even know how to cook I still don't actually <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's stuff they should be teaching you know um, when you're over there because it's just fighting important, especially for a footballer. What you do outside, the training is nearly as as vital as what you do in. So you rest, you eat. But I the landlady now thank for doing it, but it could have been better job if I was doing it myself. Is there any part of you that kind of feels anyways bitter about that or do you are you accepting of it? You had a great time over there, you came back, um, you know, did you come back minted and set up for life? Or you didn't? I came back with a Peugeot 206 full of black bags and my clothes. That was it. <laughs> um, honestly, I had the best time of my life over there. Um, I still look back on it and smile. Everything that happened in my life has led me to where I am now. With a wife, three kids, really happy in coaching. Um, so I've no, I've no regrets at all. Could I have done better? Probably, yeah. But if I went over now the same age, I'd do exactly what I did again. I've no regrets about it, you know, that way. So I don't know where I would have got to. I think my level probably would have been back home in Ireland and anyway, League Two, probably League One at a push. I don't think it was good enough for Wolves' first team. At the time when I went over, I was flying because I was physically big. When guys caught up with me physically, I couldn't match them technically. So that's kind of when I started to, I don't like to say go downhill, but other lads caught up with me. But overall, I've no regrets. I loved it over there. And Wolves are a great club. They did follow through on what they did. I just think the whole process of education could be better now that's from the FA I don't think it's from Wolves at all So tell us then about how you're saying that you wouldn't do anything differently which is brilliant but things are done differently now are they as far as you know and you're, you're obviously as we said coaching with, with Rovers what I think you touched on it earlier on we were chatting before we came on about the things that are put in place within Rovers and Fintan you mentioned um, you mentioned another another club that that are doing things to help kids who are our prospective big time players or whatever um, can you tell us a bit more about that yeah, what Rovers well, are doing well Shamrock Rovers now they're involved at Ashfield College and they're running a transition year programme so basically kids come out in fourth year and they basically learn what it's like to be a full time footballer so they have the gym there um, they have full-time training in the days. They do individual sessions. They're teaching them about dietary and the mental side of the game. So they have teachers and speakers coming in every week. Um, it's led by Stephen Gray down there, Shane Robinson and Aidan Price. So they're, they're, they're really good. They're asking people the whole time to come in and talk and just show kids what it's like outside of football. But at the same time, they're seeing the realism of full-time mm. football, which is it's a good insight because some of them might say after fourth year and transition year, it's not for me. Yeah. and really concentrate on their education. Some might really thrive and say, this is great, this is what I want to be. 
And that's what we're there as coaches for. We're, we're just facilitators. Of the, we're just helping their dream along, if that's what it is. Um, we're just trying to get the best out of the players and even the coaching staff up there in Rovers, um, I think is really good. We have lads who'll be quite strict, which is what you need sometimes. I'd be kind of the link between the players and the manager would be the fun one nearly, yeah. um, which is good. And I'm big on people first. I, I really think no matter who you are, if you're happy coming up and smiling, you'll learn more, you'll take on information better instead of if you're fearing coming up on a cold, rainy night. Mm. You can make it fun all the time. Do you think, Pat, that recent uh, things that the FAI have done in terms of, um, you know, um, developing like schools of excellence and and having um uh you know that children can't go to uk clubs until an older age and all of those things do you think uh, i'm trying to encourage the very talented to like stay a year or two longer um uh, in ireland before making this move do you do you think that's working um well, it, it, some of it's happened by default so because of brexit they can't go till they're 18 um, but they can go to Europe. Um, so we've uh, boys at the moment that Borussia Dortmund are looking at them, Benfica, um, Roma. So, and the difference I'd say, I went to England. I came back with nothing really. If they go and come back, I'd hope they come back with at least a language and maybe a bit of culture. So it's it's something different, which is really good. Um, the FEI, they were run really badly for years. I was, was listening to your lad last podcast and I think what the GA do really well when they get money they invest it back into the club for years when League of Ireland clubs etc got money they invested it in wages and it's not sustainable because players obviously quit or retire um, but now the last probably five years um, there's good people in the FEI now and I think the clubs themselves have taken it upon themselves like Shamrock Rovers have got their own ground together with, with limited funding from the FEI they've done it all themselves and when the funding comes, if it does come, I think there's huge go for it. Attendances in the League of Ireland now are up. Uh, I think it's it was probably seen as not a great game, not a great sport, but at the moment, Tala now even has the four stands. If you watch it on television, it's a good spectacle to watch. Yeah, the it's football, fantastic. The football is actually really good in the League of Ireland, if you yeah. believe me or not. But sometimes when you're seeing a row of houses behind, it looks not great. Yeah. Um, so this is where clubs need to get involved with their local councils or schools or whatever it is and help to build something like UCD probably have the best model in the whole country and um, they don't really give kids wages when they get to 18, 19 they offer them full-time scholarships so the kids are playing football and getting paid with education basically yeah. and at the end of the four years five years they're coming out with degrees and then the kids have learned to play men's football on the sporting side of it and then Clubs like Shamrock Rovers, Bohemians, Pats are taking the clubs then. But if it doesn't work for the kids, they've got the degree in the back pocket. So yeah. it's probably the best model. Um, it's just they've no fans. <laughs> <laughs> but just going back then to, you mentioned um, when you came home to Ireland, Coca-Cola took a chance on you and they educated you. So what what was that like? Or um, So I came back and I was at Waterford and I was getting probably 350 euros a week and yeah. it was nearly cost me that in petrol because the motorway wasn't there I was driving through the whole countryside uh, three oh. times a week to get down and then a weekend for a match day um, but I was looking for jobs then and no one would take me because I no leaving cert um, so it was very hard I went and did an ECDL course um, so basic, basic computers is what it was and um, I just applied for a few jobs Coca-Cola uh, rang me to come back and said would I start packing shells for them and 
I'd have no shame. Some people would say, listen, you're a footballer two weeks ago in England. You're packing shells and duns now, but I'd, I'd never frown upon anybody for working. I think anybody who does any work yeah. is great or has the drive to do it. And then Coke and Fairness, they've uh, invested, in, they invest in their people the whole time. Um, whether it's through like simple courses like PowerPoint, things like that. They do a lot like uh, showing us sustainability um, loads on being a business developer, how to better yourself and growth. So they've been really good for me personally and that's why I'm with them 15 years now. Yeah, so That's fantastic. And that's what you are now as a, a business developer. So you obviously have a passion, new passion. For oh, that, I love that it. It's, it's great because you're out seeing people the whole time. So if I go into, it's not like an office job and nothing against them, but I wouldn't be able to do an office job. And if your boss is being a bit of an asshole, <laughs> like you can... <laughs> You're stuck with them for the day. Yeah. But I'm in one pub talking to a manager trying to sell them Coca-Cola. And if they're not great to me, I'm out of there in 10 minutes and anyway going into the next one and the yeah. next one. So it's really good. And I love talking to people and we have a great brand to sell as well. So our foot's halfway in the door with the Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's really good. Um, and I, I enjoy it. They've been good to me. So as, as long as Pepsi don't come knocking with bigger <laughs> money, I'll stay where I am. <laughs> so Pat, like, so the returning person, whether it be from you know, from uh, the soccer experience you've had or, you know, a lot of Irish children are, would have gone to, say, America for athletic scholarships or uh, to Australia recently for Australian football and then cricket and tennis and golf and things like that. What would you think are the strengths that such a person might have and would be attractive to Irish companies Um on returning at 22 or 23. Okay, they haven't got the credentials, but they have other capacities. Well, I think a lot of these people, especially who went to England, would have left without an education. Um, so it's not to say they weren't going to do well in school. So it's just, it's weighing up, like, is it, is it right fit for, for our company the that way? Um, I think most companies... Um, can, can see good people first and whether you're driven is probably the biggest thing for me. Um, I think the, the benefits for the company as well, especially with sports people, you're probably getting someone who's already a team player. So they know how to fit into that straight away. Um, socially, they'd be, I, I think, quite good. I think football, because you're dealing with probably 20 characters in a dressing room, um, you're dealing with all different types. So you can manage different types. Um, and then like you get some lads who are ha really hard in dressing rooms and lads who are really soft so it's it, it does put you in good stead for what you're going to deal with in the real world as well um, most I find most sports people are down to earth and anyway um, I, told, I played against Real Madrid and people think Ronaldo is a bit of a prima donna but we after the match he was asking us all about how our league season was going signed autographs for everybody and like he's the one people probably say is he a good person but he's actually he you were marking him, were you? Was, he was marking me. Oh, he, was marking <laughs> <laughs> he knew the danger he possessed. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was actually a great experience That's to play to against a Real huge Madrid. Career but, uh, right, yeah. yeah, for him again. Good, yeah, yeah, good. of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> no, it was, it was good. Like at the time of Shamrock Rovers, we did really well. Um, Michael O'Neill came in. He's Northern Ireland manager now. We played Real Madrid. We lost 1 0. And at the time, they just signed Ronaldo. So um, they kind of did a thing in the newspaper that I'd be marking him. And, did him with his top <laughs> off and a six pack and me with blood gushing down my head and he said I drive a Coke fan he drives a Lamborghini and just to sell newspapers but uh, it was a great experience and then we went on and um, 
that game probably showed us what it was like to play at the top level the year after we went on or that year sorry we went on to qualify for the Europa group stages and played yeah. against Juventus in Italy as well so that was another highlight as well but I remember that time kind of feeling like God it was really taken off it was for, brilliant for spe- Brothers, especially yeah. for the area Atala um, there, was, there was never a big football club uh, I know you just call it soccer football and gonna have yeah. to, <laughs> we call it football uh, there was never a big football club so if you look at Robbie Keane's all they, they had to go to Crumlin Cherry Orchard clubs outside Halle now there's a couple of really good schoolboy clubs and Shamrock Rovers are there as well as a League of Ireland club and I think it's good for the people at Halle to have that as well yeah. because it's such a big area and there's great people all diverse communities and Shamrock Rovers have been really good they've two community officers so they're going into all the schools now and it's not um, the way it used to be years ago where you're looking for who's a good player. Now they're just looking to embed themselves in the culture of the Tala, uh, South Dublin, and try to get people coming to their matches because like, it's a great buzz up there. And like for me to bring my kids to Manchester, it's probably four or five hundred euros. We can bring them now to Shamrock Rovers for 30 euros, get yeah. a bag of chips on the way home and yeah. a great atmosphere. Oh, you know? it's so experience, yeah. It, it's, it's really good. Um, and the league... It's going in the right direction slowly, but I think in the last year or two, it's taken big strides. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm glad you mentioned your kids actually again there because I was going to ask you, like, I can only imagine uh, my own kids, how they would feel, like, knowing that Ronaldo story, like, like looking at, you're, they must be so proud of you. Um, like, how would you feel if that's, you know, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, if this is the path that is meant for any of them? Or all of them? How would you? Um, how would you feel? Like I know, I know what it's like, and people have asked me this before. Um, if they wanted to be a footballer, would you get behind? And I will. I get behind it, but I know the realisms of it now. Mm. Um, so education's first to me. Um, that'll always be first because I know the realism. Under one percent, people make it. Do you know that yeah. way? So that's that's why it has to be real. And I'm in a good place to tell my son he's quite good. He's actually at Shamrock Rovers now. The other one's brilliant. He's at Kilnamanna. Um, so. They have as good a chance as everybody, yeah. but it's a really tough chance. So I'll get behind the dream, but we'll be there for them and there'll be no pressure from us. Yeah. What about Heidi? Heidi, if she wants to be a dancer, I'll get behind that uh, as well. She might want to be a footballer. Well, that, that's the beauty of football now because yeah. um, it's the whole, if you see it, you can be it. Katie McCabe has shown, I think years ago, my wife was actually quite good at football, but there's yeah. no pathway years ago. Yeah. Um, now that you can see there's a pathway there for us even the League of Ireland have brought in minimum wage so even for the women now I think it's 450 if they sign a professional contract yeah. which is really good because they can actually do that as long with education or working as well yeah. so it's just trying to get the women up to a level playing field and where they deserve to be because um, they've been probably in football terms to shine a light um, for Ireland especially and qualifying for the World Cup so it's it's great for young girls to yeah. see that, especially that. GA as well, the Mead team, obviously. I, I don't know Come much about on. GA. <laughs> fake football. <laughs> I know, I definitely agree with you. Like, look, women are getting, uh, they're they're far better supported and uh, they have a lot more options than they used to, but it's still not anywhere near where it should be. No, and that's the teams around, especially the League of Ireland teams are investing. So Shamrock Rovers this year is the first year having a senior women's yeah, team. Red, and it's good great. because... If you buy a season ticket for the men's, which I think they sold 4,100, which is huge. Um, yeah. So it guarantees you to come in for the women's game the next day as well, if you want. And now we've a 90 and 17s team as well. And the junior academy, which is all young girls and boys playing. So it's brilliant to see it up in Man as well. They're really strong girls teams. Yeah. Uh, 13s, 14s, 15s. And it's just great to see so many girls playing. And I think socially it's great for them as well. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Fenton, I do want to come back to you, though, um, again, uh, uh, from the point of view of your uh, former job as a principal. You were saying that um, kids are sent out to the teams. If they're getting opportunities, they're away from the school. Is that right? And you don't... Yeah, I, I think, in fairness to schools, um, schools wouldn't see themselves as as it being on our obligations, our, our agenda, like to 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 be facilitating a child towards a professional sports career. Uh, at the same time, um, you know, I'm I'm engaged with primary schools, whatever. At the same time, you know, you, you do want to give your talented children uh, an opportunity. So so there is a dilemma for schools there too around the very talented uh, children. Very often they they don't get a lot from the standard pre class. Um, they like the, it, it. It there's other there's few other children anyway as talented as them. You know, uh, the game might a game that takes place in the in the PE class isn't perhaps much fun uh, for the very talented uh, kid. Um, so, have you any memories of that yourself, Pat? Of like, of being frustrated or anything like that in in the uh, like uh, in the PE class? You know, um, um, it, it was it was probably a bit different for me. You now, when we did PE, it was usually just Gaelic football, maybe tennis and soccer. You now, my best friend, he's in a wheelchair, he's spinal bifida. So when we did PE, he'd be in there. So what it does for you, you can do it learns may or teaches maybe the elite kid, if that's what you want to call him, who's probably head and shoulders above the rest, how to lose, which is good. But I think PE, I don't think it should be catering for maybe if you want to call him the elite kid, I think it has to cater for all and it, it teaches every maybe he might be able to bring some people to his level and they might show him a bit of graciousness in defeat, if you want to call it that. So um, it was really good for me because my uh, best friend was spying a bit for it. We probably lost every match, <laughs> but he was brilliant. He used to be in net and punching the balls out and things like that. And I think we were winning one match, um, one nil with a minute to go and the ball got stuck under his wheelchair. So we just wasted time <laughs> for the whole thing. So it was great. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's yeah. PE needs to be for all. I, I don't think... It, should be catering for one person and when when we're telling our boys if they're playing the school match we tell them some clubs don't actually let them play school matches which I think is wrong but we tell them to just go and be the best be a leader so by Shamrock Rovers we've three things passion, respect and unity and I think respect's the biggest one like respect for your teammates and respect for the opposition and respect for your classmates so it, it should be fun still PE in school um, so that'd be my Kind of well, take that's that's very heartening uh, to hear, Pat. And I, I hope any teachers listening to this now will will play that yeah. <laughs> on uh, on their on their in their classrooms, uh, for, uh, because that would be the instinct of of primary teachers. Would be that you know even the very talented kid has, still has something to learn from the PE lesson, and it could be like you know how to show leadership in a in a nice way and in a positive way and in a way that's inclusive. Of, of other kids it could be to learn how to lose despite you haven't done your best but yeah. also how to, how to learn to lose a game graciously and yeah. to respect a referee and things like that so that's great to hear Pat yeah. <laughs> and that, that's it like it's we probably lost every game and I was a bad loser but I learned because of that and I never remembered all the PE games we played or anything but I remember how good the PE teacher made us feel so that was 
the bigger thing for us. Do you know that way? I think it's a, it is. It's really refreshing to hear that, isn't it? Like, I think I think as well that people have a view of, they do have a view of footballers that they're arrogant and they're, they're this, that. And so many of them are. But it's lovely to hear that you, um, there's so many lessons, that like positive lessons that you've taken away from that right from the very beginning. Like, you know, um, I think uh, I think we're going to have to wrap it up. I'd actually stay here all day because it's really interesting listening to you and it's brilliant that you had such a great career on the football field and you came back as well and now you've got a great uh, career with Coca-Cola and you're still uh, with Shamrock Rovers. I'll ask you one last question and that is just what is next for you? Um, I'm going to continue in coaching with Shamrock Rovers so um, I'll go on and do my UEFA A licence badge and hopefully the pro in years to come but I, at the moment I've no motivation to coach senior level at all being greedy I, I get a lot back from the kids yeah. seeing the joy in their faces I started at 19s 17s uh, 15s 40s and the the more you go down uh, the more joy you get out of it it's, it's you're 13s kind of, now are you? Uh, 14s, oh, you're now, 14s so, now so it's kind of it's at its purest with where they still have the dream and they yeah. buy into you and they're not drinking or anything yet or yeah. doing anything so it, it's re, it's really nice and refreshing and I'd, involve, I'd encourage anybody to get involved whether it's Gaelic or uh, football whatever the sport is to get involved with kids because although you're giving so much to them you get a lot back as well so that's me uh, Coca-Cola I'll be there as long as they're on me I'm a lifer yeah. there as they say yeah. but, um, I probably shouldn't say this I don't drink it I'd rather Fanta Orange <laughs> but it's their product as well so it's okay <laughs> Okay, we've come to the end of the episode. <laughs> um, Pat, thanks a million. That was absolutely thanks brilliant. Um, it's really good. And Finton, um, we're the we're always here together. Finton, but thank you as as always. Thanks to the Dublin South Podcast Studio here in Dundrum for their expertise. And thank you at home. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about what we are at at Emu Inc, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Emu Publishing. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And log on to emuinc.ie for more information. Thanks, and see you next time. Thank you.